the New Zealand Tech Podcast. Brought to you by Gorilla Technology. Proactive and strategic IT. Good morning and welcome to WWDC 2018. Well, greetings folks and welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. We're at episode 391. I'm Paul Spain. And I'm Nate Saville. Welcome along, Nate. Great to have you on the show for the first time. Good to be here, Paul. Now, um, we aren't going to talk all about um, Apple's Worldwide Developers Conference, or WWDC, but we will be talking about it. There is, however, lots more to discuss. We have two special interviews on this episode. In fact, we may have to move one of those out to a separate episode, depending on how how long uh, we go. But we have a chat with uh, Russell Stanners and Mark Callender, the CEOs at uh, Vodafone and Vocus here in New Zealand, who have made an announcement today. I sat down with them earlier on in the day and chatted around what they are wanting to do with ultra-fast broadband in New Zealand. The very, very uh, short version is they want to buy at a... um, I guess a uh, hmm. How do I how do I put this in simple terms, Nate? Um, they want to buy a slice of our ultra fast broadband uh, network off Chorus and the local fibre companies and sell it uh, at a retail level and also sell it to other internet providers, uh, thereby finding themselves actually competing uh, with Chorus. So coming up with their own offerings putting equipment into exchanges and uh, maybe even new equipment into people's homes in terms of the uh, ONTS or optical network uh, termination devices that are the common in any home today that has ultra-fast broadband. Do you have ultra-fast broadband at the moment, Nate? Uh, yes, yes, I do you have ultra-fast yeah. broadband. So if you jump to that, you might be throwing out that uh, that box. We will see. There's a, there's a lot of water to go under the bridge to see whether they can actually pull that off, but an interesting announcement all the same. Uh, also, an interview with uh, Danny Adamopoulos uh, from Motorola. Uh, Motorola are getting back into the smartphone uh, game in a bigger way here in New Zealand. And I chatted with uh, with Danny in Sydney last week, so we'll try and include that one if there's space in this episode. Otherwise, we'll uh, we'll break that out into a separate episode. Also, I want to talk about uh, Uber and Waymo a little bit on the uh, driving front. Uh, what Amazon are up to with blocking Australian customers from accessing Amazon.com? Could New Zealand be impacted? Computex is going on in Taipei. Worldwide Developers Conference from Apple we talked about going on in uh, San Francisco Bay Area at the moment. want to hear about uh, something Google are launching that seems to be a little bit at odds with a service available in New Zealand right now, whether that's going to get them into some trademark dispute. And a new mobile carrier in New Zealand, a virtual uh, mobile carrier, but a very interesting one. And one of the local fibre companies that is saying they're going to uh, double broadband speeds. Add to that all of the things that are that are going on in uh, Apple's world. So let's uh, jump straight in. Uber apparently in discussions to have Waymo self-driving cars on their network, as as they call it. So, you know, it's only only been uh, a few weeks since we heard that you'll be able to have a Waymo app on your phone, 
in much the same way that we have Uber apps on our uh, on our phones uh, today or other ride sharing app services, and that Waymo you know, sounds like they're they're going to do their own thing. Uh, but uh, Uber CEO, the Uber CEO. Uh, says actually we are uh, we we are keen to have uh, Waymo self-driving cars added uh, to their network too. So I mean that, that's kind of an interesting one because they they seem to be uh, arch rivals. They've been uh, in you know in court. They've been at each other. Um, now any any thoughts here on you know whether 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 these two can work out their differences. And uh, and and come together. I'm I'm not so sure. Yeah, well, it's pretty interesting considering all the uh, courtroom wrangling that was happening a little while ago. You'd say there's probably not not a whole lot of love lost between them. So it's pretty interesting to find out that they're trying to do something together. And I mean, um, I guess maybe Uber's trying to find something positive after a lot of negative um, feedback in the news, even in New Zealand recently. Uh, Uber's been under fire for. Uh, paying its um, drivers a low wage. So maybe this is its way of just getting away from drivers completely, you know? No Mm. more complaining drivers, self-driving cars, happy customers. I guess that's what they're after. Yeah, well, they've they've certainly had uh, had plenty of bad press. So uh, look, I you know I think they want to be they want there to be as many stories as possible on a on a positive front, and certainly with the fatal accident that they had uh, in Arizona uh, back in in March, yeah, really highlighting uh, some shortcomings in their technology, and then what we talked about last week with the uh, uh, braking, the automated uh, braking that was turned off in uh, in that vehicle. So. Yeah, no, I think you're you're probably onto something there. Now, Amazon, they've come out and said they will be blocking Australian consumers from accessing their international e-commerce sites. So in New Zealand, for instance, we can go to Amazon.com, we can buy things. Uh, it recognises we're in New Zealand, which of course it has to. Once you put in your shipping address, how can it not? Uh, Amazon UK, you can do the same thing. And a number of other countries where you can find things in those stores at a New Zealand address, they will charge you relevant shipping to get your product here. Uh, you know, even even though, say, the .com or the .k um, sites aren't really get geared up for uh, New Zealand audiences, they do. They do. You know, handle those transactions and generate some uh, some sales for Amazon. Um, but look, the word is they're going to be blocking uh, Australians because of what they're doing with uh, with charging GST on on low value uh, goods purchases from uh, from July. So, I mean, it seems quite likely with uh, with Labor. You know, bringing in GST for low-value international transactions in New Zealand too that will be hit with uh, pretty much the same thing? Was that what you'd, how you'd take it? Yeah, I mean, I guess people are worried about losing this kind of bricks-and-mortar, I don't know, uh, town main street kind of thing, and Labour in particular, I think. And um, I guess New Zealand's not ready for a complete changeover to a full online shopping uh, situation. So I'd say this is probably pretty likely. I mean, you go downtown, you see empty shops, you see people going into shops, walking out, then going online and buying it, not paying any tax, um, not paying any sort of import duties. 
and I guess people are missing out on income, and the government is definitely missing out on a lot of uh, tax revenue. But I wonder if there's a greater level of employment in the postal service that could be, you know, a positive result of this. I mean, we're, you know, just on a slightly different note, we've got post what three days, three times a week now being delivered. That's right. So yeah, there's a New downside there a already, little bit. You already know, already had to cut back. Yeah. yeah. So you know, in a way, internet uh, shopping, web-based shopping, kind of might keep our postal service alive. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, look, you you can't completely uh, stop things, right? You can't uh, grind the future to a halt and and stop it getting here. Although in in this case, we are going to be the losers to some degree, but there's also positives in terms of having tax on those other items. Presuming their mechanism is is as seamless as what we've seen with the Netflix uh, tax, which seems quite simple. It's, you know, those those big players have taken it up. They're following the rules from what I can see. And the GST is being added onto those transactions. And that keeps a level and a fair playing field. So, look, I'm reasonably happy with the GST getting charged. I would be more comfortable if Amazon would figure out a way to add it onto their .com and .com. You know, co.uk sales, though there is a slightly different picture here because in Australia they have Amazon warehouses. Mm. We don't have any in New Zealand. And in fact, I would say New Zealand purchasers would more likely be buying from the US than from Australia. So look, we, we, we may not see exactly the same situation happening, but it, this would will certainly be one way to force Amazon uh, shopping or, or those who shop with Amazon to use the Australian store. Now, the issue with that at the moment is Amazon doesn't have loads of warehouses like they do in the US. Their product offering is quite small. Some of the pricing is, is way off what we see in the US. It just hasn't been a very impressive launch from Amazon with the opening of their uh, operations in Australia. Also in Australia, you've got uh, Kogan, who is, is sort of something like a, a competitor to Amazon and to eBay and so on. They're, they're kind of the, the big local uh, provider as far as sort of, you know, e-commerce will sell you anything. And you know, I've certainly I've bought things off them. They acquired the Dick Smith uh, brand when Dick Smith, uh, you know, fell over. So they they've you know they've connected with people through that mechanism, but you know I've I've noticed that their share price has uh, has been moving up a, f- a fair bit in in recent times. They're uh, I think heading in the direction of a sort of a billion dollar uh, market cap in in Australia. Um, not too sure on those exact figures, but I did see when I looked them up today that uh, they dropped about twelve percent. So yeah, quite a volatile uh, quite a volatile stock. But, yeah, nice for there to be a bit of competition with Amazon, put it that way. I, I don't like it when we've just got one uh, player that completely dominates. So, yeah, I think this one will be will be curious to watch whether, you know, we land in a similar position to Australia or, or not. Now, on to... What do we have next? Uh... Computex in in Taipei. Uh, look, this happens every year around around this time. 
usually loads of announcements. The first one I've seen that jumped out to me was from Intel. They are claiming uh, potentially be able to cut the um, the battery drain in half uh, for displays on certain uh, devices. So uh, there's a reference to a, you know a, a two-in-one sort of you know t- tablet type uh, design. Uh, I would presume this sort of thing could land in uh, laptops as well. So. Not too much information on that one has has come to light yet, but I'm uh, I'm always keen for advancements and and things that gives give us uh, better battery life. Nate, is this something uh, you'd like? You, yeah, absolutely. Do you have enough battery life in in your devices? No, I definitely do not have enough battery life. It's an ongoing um, challenge, isn't it? It is. It is. You know, just remembering to plug that thing in before I go to bed. You know, the disappointment in the morning when I realise that I'm down to 5% and I'm about to leave to work for work with an uncharged phone. It's yep. pretty de- Uncharged laptops, tablets, yep, all those devastating things. Devastating way to start the day. <laughs> well, it's, I guess, you know, it has been getting better in, you know, in, in varying ways and anything that helps on the screen front, which certainly that's where a huge part of the battery drain is, is... It's kind of got to be good, right? I dream of those days when we had those five days of charge. You remember about, that, Paul? That was about 20 years ago, wasn't oh, it? Was it? I'm sure I just had one of those phones like a year ago. Okay. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, so, some, some people are still on the older, <laughs> uh, older phones that were, that were less, less smart, I suppose. Um, I don't know if that's any reflection on their own you what know, capabilities you trying as, to say? as people. Um, no, no. <laughs> um, all right, so, yeah, no, good, good, uh, good here. Now, another thing that uh, sort of cro- crosses into us here in New Zealand is Google, Google launching, launching a new, I'm going to call it a social uh, network. So... Um, the description I read online referen- referred to it as an app for crowdsourcing local questions. But mm. interestingly, it's called Neighbourly. In New Zealand, we have this, this social uh, network called Neighbourly as well. And both both Neighbourly from uh, Google, which I think has just launched in or is in beta in India uh, so far, Mum- Mumbai specifically, uh, when you when you look at the details online, basically they're saying that uh, you know it seems to be sort of a a clone or inspired uh, by a platform in the US called Nextdoor, and that's exactly uh, how you would refer to uh, Neighbourly here in New Zealand, which uh, um, you know of course stuff um, own or, or certainly own a, a big slice of here in New Zealand. Not sure the 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 current uh, shareholding uh, scenario there, so. Uh, that would be rather um, rather interesting. There could be a, a spot of drama there if they don't uh, work things out and Google decides to take uh, Neighbourly uh, Global. But it's, it seems like a, a reasonable area for them to uh, to want to dabble in. I guess they've looked at the Indian market, decided there's a there's an opportunity. So um, away they go. Nate, Neighbourly is that your uh, is that what you spend your weekends uh, using? Is it is that your favourite app? Yes, Paul. I'm just trying to sign up now, actually, and it's it's slightly complicated. As I said earlier, it's a bit like my neighbours in real life. I know it's there, but I don't necessarily know them personally. But um, I can see with the appeal in India, you know, there's a a much tighter 
network, I guess, is huge um, mobile use. I mean, I think they're rating up the, the highest in use of social media around the world. You know, tech is just going crazy there on every front, and I kind of guess it makes sense for um, Google to roll something out like that over there, especially with the population numbers. Is it a case of another good idea from New Zealand kind of being picked up by someone else and maybe... Yeah, it's certainly been, it's, I've always thought it was a good name. Yeah, yeah. oh, definitely, yeah. definitely. Yeah. And it just seems a bit too, you know, close for comfort to call it just a coincidence. Yeah, yeah, you know? no, it is, it, is, it, is, it is very, very curious. So, yeah, I imagine, um, well, you, ne- you never know. Apple used to go ahead and do all sorts of things without uh, having any sort of agreements on, uh, on trademark use. And, you know, they, they, they must have known, even, even, the, even the iPhone. You know, they they went into it without having actually secured global rights to uh, to that name, and then they had to uh, had to deal with it afterwards. Which you would think, from a you know, well, any organisation that didn't have um, as deep pockets as Apple, you would think the logical thing would be to do it upfront before you know, the the name actually really meant something to you. But anyway, we will uh, we'll see what what happens on uh, on that that front. Uh, look. Kogan, who we mentioned before, they are launching a mobile network in New Zealand. Now, not maybe quite as exciting as as it could be. So this is not a, a real mobile network. This is uh, what we call a, um, a virtual mobile network operator, VMNO, uh, which some actually speculated last week might be what uh, what... Vodafone uh, would be talking about at their uh, their announcement today with Vocus, uh, but we, that was quickly clarified that that was not the case. But uh, yeah, Kogan have uh, have signed a deal with Vodafone locally. They are going to be launching this uh, uh, mobile uh, brand here through uh, through Kogan dot com. And look, this has got me curious for for one particular reason and it's because if you look at Kogan uh, Mobile in Australia some of their prices are are nuts when I mean nuts I mean they are are dead cheap now it's fair to say Australia is a much bigger market than New Zealand they're already uh, more competitive in in a lot of cases on uh, mobile plans than what we see in New Zealand but just as an example uh I'm I'm just looking on uh, the koganmobile.com.au site, and I'm seeing here what do we got um, plans. So there's a plan here, their small plan, and it ranges from sixteen dollars ninety for thirty days. Uh, so this is yeah, this is their smallest plan. Sixteen dollars ninety gives you three gigs of data. Unlimited calls and texts. It's even cheaper than that. It's eleven dollars eighty. Yeah. So, well, that brings me to the second point. So, if you're just paying for it by thirty at thirty day blocks, sixteen dollars ninety. If you pay for ninety days up front, it comes down to fifteen sixty four. And if you pay for a whole year in advance, eleven dollars eighty, uh, which is it's which pretty, is, pretty, pretty tiny when uh, you know when when you think about it in the scheme of it, you're going to get a you know a, 
a, re- a reasonable sort of chunk of, of data and uh, and whatnot. And look, if you're willing to uh, drop twenty five ninety with them and pay for the whole year up front, mm. uh, you'll get a plan that gives you twenty three gigabytes uh, worth of uh, data. So yeah, there's um, and but but when you look at just paying for that on thirty day blocks, it's nearly double uh, forty nine. 90 so when you when you look at that one it's not too far off what what we're paying uh in in new zealand but very very interesting to see how this lands by the time it actually hits new zealand but it does seem to be pretty uh pretty pretty competitive um yeah you know i'm i haven't read all the all the t's and c's and you know and what their other uh what their other tricks are uh, they also have data uh, plans for uh, use in, in tablets, for instance, and those don't look quite as uh, heavily discounted, shall we say, when you look at the uh, the three sixty five uh, day day plans. But still, not too bad. So yeah, we'll be uh, definitely watching this one and uh, and and see where it lands once they uh, announce their their plans uh, locally. Um, the other story we have on a local basis is Enable, who are the uh, providers of ultra fast uh, broadband in, in Christchurch. They have announced that they've uh, they've completed their entire um, fiber. Um, Rollout, so it's completed over two hundred thousand uh, homes, businesses, and and schools within the broader uh, Christchurch region is finished. Nineteen months uh, ahead of schedule, and they're they're using that as a little bit of a um, uh, a reason to offer a new broadband offering. Uh, in the region, and they are doubling up. So their most common plan is the, uh, I think it's the 100 uh, slash 20, so 100 megabit per second download plan. Uh, they're going to double that to uh, 200 megabit. So I'm not sure exactly uh, what that means from a, a telco uh, perspective. I haven't, um, I haven't, you know, seen the announcements from telcos in terms of how the, how they're supporting. Uh, that because usually it's the, you know uh, the the telcos that provide the uh, the faster plans, but they're, they're going to be offering that they say um, certainly on new orders from uh, from first of July, and they're going to be working with their retail uh, service providers to try and also get that to as, as many existing customers as, as possible. So it just seems with uh, with fiber we're getting uh, faster and faster and um, and better all the time which certainly you know helps put uh, put New Zealand in a stronger uh, position compared to other countries globally Nate are you uh, you've been pretty happy with being on uh, on fiber at, at home it's worked out well for you yeah no trouble actually much better than um, various other broadband plans I've had uh, you know ups and downs capping bad um, bad customer service. All that sort of stuff that comes seems to come along with cheaper and smaller um, internet providers. It's really nice to see someone kind of step up, especially in Christchurch where they probably need it more than anyone, to have some good news around infrastructure to see something like this come through and uh, probably send a message to Chorus and a few others to kind of up their game and, you know, set a new new level of professionalism that they should try and hit. 
Yeah, yeah, no, it's interesting, and also worth, worth noting in uh, in Christchurch that uh, Vodafone have their sort of competing uh, product, their you know cable TV, cable internet uh, service that they call FiberX, and so this just puts more more pressure onto uh, onto Vodafone as well. But yeah, look, I think um, you're right. It's, you know, it's, it's fair to say that the you know fiber uh, product has has really taken a lot of pain. Out of internet, I think for for Kiwis, once you once you get on the service, in most cases, you just get you get the speeds that you expect. You don't get the big uh, variations, mm. and we're just not seeing the um, the reliability issues that we saw with uh, with copper. And uh, yeah, it's, it's certainly, I think, benefits pretty much uh, yeah everyone. I think it's fair to say, certainly for the internet providers. Uh, you know, I'd be interested to see their stats, but you know, my pick is they'll get a lot uh, less uh, calls and drama when people are on uh, ultra fast broadband, especially with uh, un- un- uncapped plans. All right, well, that's uh, that's all the local bits and pieces. I think maybe time to uh, dive into a little bit of the news from Apple's worldwide uh, developer conference. Look, there's always so many announcements uh, from Apple at this time of year, Nate. It's, it's kind of hard to get your head around and decide what to look at. So it's going to take a few days to figure all of these, all of these things out, isn't it? And, and decide which, which things are, you know, are, are relevant. Uh, you know, I imagine it's, it's worth people having a bit of a look around on, online if you're an, an Apple uh, user whether uh, whether it's on the sort of iOS, iPhone, iPad side, or uh, or, or uh, you know Mac side, um, Apple TV, etc., and you know some people will be across everything and, and the whole ecosystem um, because there'll be different things that that will you know push buttons for uh, for for different people. Um, so one of the one of the things that uh, jump jumped out as uh, you know, kind of, kind of pleasing from Apple is iOS 12 is coming to uh, all devices that currently run iOS 11, uh, and they're going to run a little bit faster. So I guess there's two sides to that coin. Uh, one side, people might be a little bit annoyed that Apple's been slowing down their uh, their, their gadgets with a, a, a laggy iOS. Uh, the other side is, hey, it's a, it's it's going to get better with uh, with iOS uh, 12. And you know, look, this is not the the first. Uh, time we've seen an operating system update improve performance, so uh, kind of pleasing, and it's it's the sort of thing that certainly you know I guess wins a bit of kudos for Apple, doesn't it, Nate? I mean, you know, for people that are frustrated or have been frustrated in the past with an Apple device that you 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 load you load the update and suddenly it grinds to a halt to actually load an update and it and it speeds up. It's kind of nice, right? Yeah, definitely. And I mean, there's been a lot of complaints with people who have problems updating their phones on the older Apple iOSs and finding that they're kind of being basically left behind by Apple because of the rate of knots at which they move forward. And so it's kind of nice to see them looking backwards a little bit, not just the future, and, and uh, I guess supporting customers without making them upgrade the, you know, their technology across the board. Um, so yeah, I think it's probably a good thing on the PR front. 
as well as you know a good way to f- to fix maybe upgrade some products which haven't been working so well in the past. Mm, mm. And look, I think it's you know it's fair to say that a lot of Apple customers are quite used to handing a device on to a family member or moving to mm. new ones as they come out. So I don't think Apple has you know too much of an issue with people trying to hold on to devices for you know five years or or more. And you know in most cases, you know certainly on the the mobile front, these things. Uh, tend tend to get upgraded by uh, you know a fairly reasonable you know, chunk chunk of the market, uh, not with everyone. And and look, this gives you another reason to to think about holding on to uh, something a, a little bit more if you're not mm-hmm. super enamoured with always having the latest and greatest. So yeah, it's kind of positive. Yeah, I think so. Um, few other few other bits and pieces on the um, iPhone iOS front. Uh, Apple demoed a measurement app that's uh, being uh, added in, um, or will come uh, for iOS twelve. And look, we saw demos of this sort of thing, and I think there were some apps on uh, iOS eleven with the uh, with things like the um, iPhone uh, ten. Where you could do a level of measurement, but having having the app actually come from Apple, I think will give people sort of confidence in in the technology, and you know hopefully Apple have sort of got this right, so the measurements are reasonably accurate. You don't want to be using this thing and and you know in place of of something else, and you know finding out that your measurements are. Uh, way off and you know I, I imagine Apple are going to work pretty hard to make sure that that works. Yeah I find it pretty interesting that they've put so much um, that they've highlighted this app and obviously put a lot of development into an app which a lot of people might say you know kind of what's the big deal but if you're a if you're a tradesman if you do stuff with your hands you probably own about I don't know seven measuring tapes and you never have one on you when you need it yeah <laughs> so you know you always have your phone on you to be able to whip something out that you know is going to work and to take a measurement and to be able to potentially record that data send you know send it transfer it whatever is is great you know it also means you're you're potentially not writing down a whole list of measurements it allows you to transfer that into you know, onto plans or into your calculator or, or whatever and, and do a whole lot more than just measure things by having accurate data being recorded on your phone around measurements. And I suspect this is just the beginning for augmented reality apps like this. And I kind of wonder if this is just sort of a teaser of where Apple's going to go in the future with these really practical, relatively down-to-earth everyday apps you know, which I think we'll find more and more around the home. Yeah, no, I I agree. I mean, you know, um, we've had you know situations in the house recently. We we're looking at you know measuring up curtains and things like that. And oh, yeah, it's it's actually you know a reasonably um, uh, annoying process when you forgot to measure something up and then you're at the store or vice. You know, yep. vice versa. Oh, what was that thing at the store? So, you know, using a bit of technology in there to, you know, photograph what what's on offer at the store, and then you know, come home or, or as I say, vice versa, uh, and then match those things up. That can be uh, can be pretty handy. So, yeah, look, I, I'm really really um, you know pleased about yeah these, these little sort of steps forward that you know ultimately end up making uh, making things a little bit little bit easier. Um Apple's also talked about a new file format called uh USDZ uh for augmented reality use uh or USDZ as we would uh, probably say it here in in New Zealand. 
And look, it seems like uh, you know not only are, are Apple going to be using this across their uh, their apps, but others like uh, Adobe are, are you know jumping in on this uh, format as well. And look, you know the idea is it'll it'll make uh, you know make it easier from that augmented reality perspective. So I don't know, I, you know, I can imagine a a furniture retailer might you know offer you access to. Um, you know, furniture maybe in that format, and then you you'd be able to overlay that into you know some uh, images of your home and see how those things would actually uh, look in situ. So you know you get that idea of well you know what would this look like and uh, you know how how would it how would it fit into my into my home. So yeah, that that seems good. I'm sure there are lots of other uh, you know possibilities in terms of the use of the uh, uh, the file format. Um, one thing that did um, also catch my attention was this reference to uh, Siri shortcuts and the idea that you can you know build these shortcuts and it could be to one specific thing or it could be to uh, a chain of actions and have this sort of just a standard. Uh, offering built into iOS that we be able to um, uh, trigger basically. So one example that they uh, showed off was with uh, with the Tile app, and you know for those that haven't tried Tile, I know we've talked about it on the show before. Um, you know you've got this Tile low power uh, Bluetooth uh, technology. You can attach it to your keys or to whatever you like, uh, and you know then you can use the app to you know basically trigger a beeping sound on on your keys if you've uh, if you've mislaid them or you can ask them where, what the location was they were last left in and basically you could now you know for the, for that particular function you could assign the the Siri shortcuts you could say hey Siri I've lost my keys and then you know it will carry out whatever the app would normally do in that case uh, they gave her another example, which was a scenario of um, you know some somebody uh, wanting to head home at the end of the day, and you could say uh, for, again um, the and I won't use that wake word because it might wake up uh, people's phones. Sorry about that. Um, hey, heading home, and then it would trigger off a you know a, a series of um, you know of actions. You know, alert family that you're on your way home. Uh, maybe fire up uh, maps and find out how long it's going to take you to get home. What the right out, um, you know, what the right uh, route is to get home. How long that's going to take. Maybe it turns on your air conditioning or cooks your dinner for you or whatever other you know robotic stuff you've got uh, set up. Turns the lights on and 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 so on. So um, yeah, that looked um, that looked kind of uh, kind of good because I. You know, I I expect from Apple they make this sort of thing reasonably uh, reasonably easy for people. And look, they're not um, they're not you know really completely inventing something from scratch here. We've had uh, similar types of mechanisms around for a while, but the way in which they're doing it and the integration just as you know standard iOS apps that uh, that looks pretty slick. Um, now, CarPlay, that's something that I, I use uh, whenever I'm using my iPhone and driving, I'll use CarPlay. If I'm driving with uh, Android as my primary phone, then I'll be using Android uh, Auto in most cases. Uh, one thing that people have complained about and been bitterly disappointed about with Apple's CarPlay is 
no ability to use Google Maps in the car. You always had to use Apple Maps. Um, Nate, what do you think? I, Apple are bringing oh, I think Google Maps. I think it's a good move, and I think it's a you know in some ways I guess kind of a brave move, and um, I think it'll make a lot of people happy who have been pretty disappointed with you know Apple's rigidness yeah. on sticking with Apple, you know, with their maps. But yeah, I mean, it, it seems to be that thing that that you know everyone sort of jokes about it a little bit but the sort of closed apple ecosystem where you know they force you to do things their way and yeah i mean it's usually the, the when somebody jumps into my car and if they haven't seen uh, carplay before that's usually one of the first questions they ask is does it run you know does it run google maps and it's and the answer is always oh no you have to use you know you have to use apple maps and look you know often i'll uh, i'll fire up um maps on my phone before I jump in the car as I'm jumping in the car you preset the destination and look I'll find myself doing that with Google Maps quite often I'll forget to force myself to use Apple Maps and you're in the car wondering why you can't see it and all you got is the the instructions coming over Bluetooth and then you know, you, you click that uh, you would set it up in, in Google Maps rather than Apple Maps so Look, yeah, the the uh, the ability for CarPlay to work with you know third party navigation apps, I think, is is great, and hopefully we you know we'll see uh, Google Google Maps and and Waze and you know and and some of the um, the other ones um, you know the 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 here um, maps here we go ones as well um, and and some of the other players. So I think you know that's uh, that that's very pleasing. Uh, there's some improvements around uh, notifications, notification uh, grouping in iOS that that looks cool. Um, well, there's there's lots of stuff. Um, one thing that's had that had a bit of press uh, recently was what's coming to uh, uh, Android P around um, activity sort of tracking. And when I when I refer to activity, I'm I'm more talking around. Uh, you know the apps you're using, how long you're spending on your uh, device. Well, yeah, interestingly, just feels like moments after uh, Google's announcement. Well, Apple have announced Screen Time, which will track how much time uh, that you spend in your apps, uh, how often you're using them, uh, what apps are giving you the most notifications, all these sorts of things, and also with a leaning for um, you know overseeing kids use of of devices so i think this is a you know pretty positive uh things we we don't want our youngsters uh getting well you know ex- accidentally sort of falling into scenarios where they use uh you know devices way too much so it's giving some visibility to how you know how long people spend on their devices and it's not just our our youngsters i think uh you know a lot of us spend a lot of time on on devices so um um, yeah, I'm I'm reasonably happy about this, Nate. What's your What's your thoughts? More data. Oh, they know more about us. They're watching <laughs> us more. Oh, you know, sometimes I personally, you know, I don't have a m- massive issue with staying online for too long. I don't think, but sometimes I just get overwhelmed by the amount of data that gets given to us. I mean, this could be really helpful. I can totally understand how, when it comes to children. Maybe even your pets, you know, use of use online. <laughs> you know, it could be interesting to see what the cat's up to while you're away. Who's yeah. using all that? Right, all you're that. wondering who was using all the data. Yeah, at home. totally. It's you know, I've, I've got a seeking suspicion that you know the cat channel 
you know. Yes. On yeah, the cat channel, it's pretty. It's gripping. It's gripping. Um, yeah. No. No, I totally get it. Maybe it doesn't apply to me so much, but I totally get it. Why some people, um, you know, would need that reminder to say, essentially, hey, maybe you've been on too long, or maybe someone around you is just spending way too much time. Yeah. Online yeah. doing these things. No, I think uh, I think it's good. Um, New Animoji were highlighted, including a koala. Didn't see a kiwi, though. What's up with that? We're being, no, that's, we're that's being, really interesting. You know, left out in the forest. Um, but never mind. Um, but they also highlighted the, uh, what do they call it? The Memoji, uh, personalised Animoji. Now, this did sort of look a little bit like something Samsung uh, showed off with the Galaxy uh, S9. So... Um, you know, we had had some similarities, so I know good good to see uh, you know a bit of healthy rivalry and uh, you know one 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 company in, inspiring another. Uh, although I'm I'm sure Apple would say this is completely different and has uh, no relation to Samsung's offering. Um, but look, I think you know we 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 have to admit all these companies uh, they they do. Uh, learn from each other. Uh, Apple showed off a bunch of stuff with uh, Watch OS uh, 5, which is the next release uh, coming through, uh, bringing some Fitbit-like uh, sort of social uh, aspects to uh, to work out so you can compete with uh, friends. That certainly makes sense for them, and I think it's something that has really helped Fitbit. So yeah, competing in, in this way totally makes sense. Uh, automatic workout detections. You don't have to manually go into your phone and, and tell it what you're doing. That it, you know, it'll figure that stuff out. Uh, some walkie-talkie sort of type communications where you can, you know, just just hit a button, do send a voice message. You do sort of backwards and forwards rather than sort of full-blown call. What do you think yeah. about this, Nate? It's kind of unusual. No, I, I think that's really helpful. I can see a lot of situations, you know, again, sort of places like construction sites, places where you need to get messages around a workplace very quickly. I mean, at one stage there was, I can't remember who put it out, but there were um, cell phones with that instant call function where you could basically use your cell phone like a walkie-talkie. Yes, and it yeah didn't take off here but when i was in the states it was used in a lot of sort of fast-paced sort of warehouse construction site places where you just needed to talk someone very quickly and get them to bring someone over or um you know deliver something quickly so i can kind of see the use as long as you can network a whole lot of people together in one place and you can kind of use it almost like a maybe a public address system or something or highlight a group of people who you might be working with and just let them know, you know, hey, it's Smoko. Hey, it, you know, it's time to knock off for the day or we, we need to have a staff meeting and discuss this thing right now rather than, you know, people are spread out rather than trying to call them all or text yeah, them okay. all or, yep, yep. you know, if you can hit a button and just say, hey, you know. Yeah, and I guess there are scenarios you want to communicate with someone, but you don't need to actually stay on the line with them uh, permanently. So, you no, know, little messages back, yeah. back, back and forth. Um, look, your you comment there around it being available in, in bigger groups, and you know, I haven't looked into that aspect of it yet, um, but it did trigger a reminder that with um, FaceTime, Apple now uh, supporting um, group FaceTiming up to 32 participants, so sort of a big group video calling, uh, which... Yeah, I mean, it just makes sense for Apple to you know, keep improving that offering and it's another way of, of keeping people within the Apple ecosystem and not having to 
dive in and, and use you know Skype and, and other products in the market. So um, yeah, that one's worth mentioning as well. Um, oh, also coming to the Apple Watch, they've got uh, Apple Podcasts, so you actually got a, a you know a better capability uh, there in terms of getting at your podcast from the, the watch. Uh, and those Siri shortcuts we we mentioned earlier, uh, you'll be able to trigger trigger those from uh, watch as well. A uh, bunch of things coming to the Apple TV, uh, including uh, Dolby Atmos. So for uh, you know just that that superb uh, sound, that's kind of cool. Uh, also was highlighted is a, a push into more live TV type content. So certainly. It, in the US, Apple is saying they have a huge range of, of live sports, uh, live news as well. And with one of the, at least one of the cable providers in the US, they're bringing all of their channels and all of, all of their content effect, effectively to Apple TV. So, you know, it's, uh, this is a sort of scenario, and you can imagine, you know, Sky... Uh, potentially could do the same sort of thing here, where instead of having a Skybox, you could just a- access all of your Sky content uh, through the Apple TV. And look, I think we'll see more and more of this. There's there's no you know need now uh, to to have those limitations of old, where you needed to have the the physical cable connection or the satellite uh, TV connection, where you can deliver over the internet. And look, the uh, the the Apple TV is has you know, it's not the cheapest of devices, but it certainly is in a lot of homes. So, you know, it makes sense for uh, TV providers to to be offering that. I'd certainly be very interested to see what, you know, what will happen uh, in New Zealand in terms of um, improving our offerings. And, you know, of course, we've got three now and, and the TVNZ on demand uh, stuff. But uh, that that there's, well, there's room for improvement, shall we say. Uh, and then... Um, the other thing on the on the Apple front, Mac OS uh, Mojave has been announced as the uh, the next version. There, uh, all sorts of things, desktop stacks to tidy up your uh, uh, your desktop and Finder, uh, better screen capture uh, that also uh, covers video. Uh, very nice sort of native uh, photo handling from within uh, Finder as well. That looks uh, looks quite slick. Uh, Apple Home is coming to uh, Mac OS as well. So uh, for those HomeKit devices and you know controlling things like your in-home lighting and um, you know doorbells and, and and you know bits bits and pieces like that, uh, having that type of technology, uh, being able to you know control equally uh, from your Mac, and also uh, we've we've got the move of iOS apps into Mac OS. So that's going to be interesting. Apple is saying, look, we're not, com- you know, we're not combining the, the two operating systems. So, uh, you know, it's, it is a, uh, initially, I think, focused on Apple apps that will transition and you'll be able to run them on your Mac. Mm-hmm. Of course, Macs don't have touchscreens yet, but maybe this is the enabler where Apple will, will, will flip a little bit from what they've always been saying around we don't need touchscreen on our Macs to, oh, well, now we're running iOS apps on a Mac. Yes, of course, it makes sense to have, have a touchscreen. Uh, that, that would be my, you know, my feeling anyway. You know, it, would, it would seem likely that Apple have, have kind of got to follow in the footsteps of the rest of the industry and eventually go to, uh, 
to touchscreen laptops. What's, what's your thoughts on that, Nate? I mean, it's not as though touchscreen laptops are completely ubiquitous at this stage, but, you know, they have been becoming, you know, more common. And, you know, I mean, but Apple have sort of said that you don't need a touchscreen um, Mac. Yeah, well, I find it kind of interesting when people sort of claw at my, the screen of my laptop and then kind of look startled when nothing moves. And I have to explain to them that, no, there's a touchpad not a touch screen on this. So, you know, I kind of share your pain, but I, I guess it makes sense long term. It seems another thing that Apple's just kind of holding out on maybe to be different. Um, who knows why, but it makes sense that it would move in that um, direction eventually. Yeah. I mean, it is, it's understandable from some degree and in that a lot of software just doesn't actually get up for a touch screen. So it would be, you know, it, some things are a poor experience, but uh, you know, I guess the way I see, I see the you know the touchscreen as it relates to say you know Windows devices. Yes, you, you know, you're not you're not replacing your your um, your touchpad or your mouse with touchscreen in most cases. It's more there's certain functions you might want to do. You know, tick some boxes on screen, zoom in and out, scroll. Those sorts of things, we you know we're just so used to uh, yeah, doing doing uh, pinch and zoom and, and and so on on our screens. Yeah. It's, uh, it seems quite natural. So and I think as more and more of these iOS apps comes over, I think Apple will be kind of you know have to consider the fact they're going to have to do that because people are going to be so used to operating them in a certain way that you know to create that kind of disconnect between them, I think will be really unhelpful mm. long term. Mm. Mm. Right, well, um, I think that wraps up this episode. I have to say that the uh, promised interviews that we were going to add in, uh, we're not going to. We're probably not going to. Uh, we're not going to be able to squeeze both of them in. Um, but we will jump across and hear from uh, Russell Stanners and, and Mark uh, Callender about uh, Vodafone and uh, Vocus announcement, and we might dive into that uh, and, and have a bit more discussion around uh, what that means in a future episode. And, uh, yes, we've also got that, uh, that chat with, uh, with, with, with Danny. Uh, we'll probably push that into an extra episode, um, but hold tight and we'll, uh, we'll see what happens. All right. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Mr. Nate Savile for uh, for joining the show. Oh, you're very welcome. Great to ha- great to have you on board. Um, where do people track you down? Are you uh, is LinkedIn your place? You're not a big uh, Twitter Twitter guy, are you? No, no. You can probably find me on LinkedIn if you LinkedIn. look yeah. suit for Nate Savile there. Excellent, excellent. All right, and uh, look, people can track me down on online uh, LinkedIn, Twitter, and and Facebook as well under Paul Spain. Pretty easy to find. Uh, that's it for us this week. Uh, thanks everybody for uh, for joining. Uh, we'll just shoot across to that interview right now. All right, catch ya. So, very interesting announcement uh, today from uh, Russell Stanners of Vodafone and Mark Callender from Vocus Group. So, I just wanted to uh, sit down and um, pick your brains a little bit, break down what what this announcement's all about. Russell, maybe you can kind of give us the the overview of. Um, what this unbundling announcement uh, means and, and what it looks like in a you know, reasonably simple, non-technical terms. Yeah, sure. Look, when the government um, first put in place the ultra-fast broadband networks in 2011, uh, they envisaged a day when the networks would be unbundling. And what that means is allowing the retailers, like ourselves and Vocus, to invest 
in um, capability networks so we can actually start to deliver our own products which are differentiated and can offer new exciting services to consumers. And that's what we're announcing today is a joint venture working together to invest in unbundling the fibre networks just like Vocus and Vodafone did independently back in the copper days. And that was a, a key to creating a lot more choice and better deals for consumers. Um, Mark, why have you? Uh, why are you participating in this? Why is this something that sort of make makes sense uh, for Vocus Group? Um, well, Vocus has expressed uh, concerns through the uh, submission process over the anchor product. Um, uh, it essentially potentially leaves people like Vocus stranded. Um, our concerns are the anchor product gets set very low at 100 meg. Um, we are seeing uh, increased demand for one gig services, and that should be the, the minimum benchmark today. Uh, this announcement today uh, puts control back in our hands. Um, it means we can control the destiny in terms of the products we deliver to our customers. So it enables an innovation layer, but more importantly, full control of the customer experience. So that's why we we're involved. Um, I think Vodafone brings a, a long breadth of international experience, um, and together locally, we have agility to uh, ensure this is a successful uh, investment for us both. Right, and um, I'm wondering, does, is the FibreX product sort of going to be tied into this in in, in some way? Um, Russell, is that something that you're you're expecting uh, to to build in? It could be. We haven't talked about that. Uh, certainly when we announced FibreX, we said we we're more than happy to resell it to other retailers, so it could be. Uh, this main focus and the investment was on the uh, fibre networks, which, as you know, are being built over the top of the FibreX network anyway. So you probably have both options. And, look, I, you know, I think it's fair to say that the um, the LFCs and, 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 and Chorus uh, aren't going to want to be left behind and, you know, they've certainly increased uh, their uh, performance of their offerings since they, they launched them. So, you know, do you have much expectation that you'll be able to, uh, um, you know, stay, stay ahead in your offering? You suggested today, um, you know, delivering things like 10 gigabits and, and so on. Um, yeah, it is, will, will that make sense? Will you have, do you think you have enough uh, market share to make that um, uh, worthwhile? Yeah, well, look, you know, one of the things that we know is monopolies don't have many incentives to invest in innovation or to lower prices and compete. So from the day we announced today that we're doing something together, I'd absolutely expect the LFCs to up their game and to be more competitive. And that's one of the benefits that us doing this brings to the wider market. You know, we're talking about creating competition um, at for the LFCs, you'll have more than one choice as a retailer or who you buy from, and would absolutely expect that as we get into this, that they would lift their game and compete as well. Now, the, I guess the key thing to making this work is you've actually got to be able to, um, you know, buy fibre at a uh, at a reasonable sort of you know price. Basically, I guess you know what um, you've talked about is you, you know you have to put your own equipment in exchanges. Uh, you know, I guess potentially you'd be replacing the uh, the ONT that's in people's homes uh, today. Um, but you've got to be able to buy that um, that offering at a you know, at a reasonable price in, in order to make it fly. So um, is that something you, you're pretty confident won't be an issue? Well, it's a process we have to go through. So, uh, again, from here, we'll uh, jointly be working through an RFP that we'll share and work with all the LFCs. Um, the other backdrop we've got is, uh, again, Vodafone's international experience. So, uh, Italy, the Netherlands, and other countries where this has occurred, Singapore. Um, so, we, we aren't uh, shooting blind here. Um, we've got some, some pretty good information to pull on, and, um, you know, that's a process we're going to go through. 
Right now, um, this opportunity really opens up in uh, in in twenty twenty um, when the I guess the the next phase of um, uh, the UFB process sort of a you know a, allows um, you know buying on this sort of basis. Do you have any sort of feel for how quickly you would expect to be able to get this up and running? Uh, I imagine you probably want to do it as quickly as possible, Russell. Yeah, well, look, the reason we announced it today, is, as we mentioned in the um, announcement meeting, was that you know we have to start now in order to have services available by early 2020, January 2020 is our goal. Now, you, that's only 18 months away. A key part of that will be negotiations with the LFCs. And so we had to announce today um, so that people knew what we were doing because as soon as we start negotiations, you'll hear about it. We wanted to actually make it clear to everyone what we're trying to do. But it's a tight time frame, and we'll be working very hard to um, look to get uh, all the pieces in place so we can be in market as soon as we can in 2020. Excellent. Anything else um, that we've, we've missed that we should be covering off here, Mark? No, I think you've covered it all, uh, so we're good to go. Excellent. All right. Thanks, guys. The New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Gorilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT.